Hi, this is Deborah Ann Wool. Thank you for listening to the Children of Erte podcast, presented by Demiplane. You can join us live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv backslash RPG, or catch up with the VOD of each episode on the Demiplane YouTube channel. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Yes. I think we might be, yes. I think we are, <laughs> because it's the name of the show. Welcome. Yay. I am Sandalev, and this is our Children of Airte after show, where I sneak any spoilers I can get from our unsuspecting <laughs> guests, and here to roll all the perception checks to spot my sneaking <laughs> is the storyteller herself, Deborah Ann Will. Thank you for joining me today, and please introduce Thank you. yourself. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm Deborah Amol. I am the storyteller creator of Children of Erte. Um, I have all of the spoilers. Uh, they are contained within me. Um, and yeah, let's see how well you roll. What are your spoiler? <laughs> what would one roll for spoilers? Insights? Uh, persuasion, I suppose? Sleight of hand, if I can Ooh, help it. All right, sleight of hand for spoilers. I like that. I but do have a notebook you could steal. Ooh. I'll make a note. But <laughs> before I can plan my heist, the statue of Steve compels me to mention our sponsors. Yes. Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. We are giving away two codes, and you can type code in chat for a free Electrum test in-game. Die Hard Dice, purveyors of clicky, clacky, math rocks to determine whether that sleight of hand was a success. Use code <laughs> AIRTE at checkout for a 10% discount. We will be doing a giveaway in chat during the stream. And Sirenscape. Because epic games and epic heists require epic music. <laughs> now, with an irritation of Steve's so satisfied, we may begin. And a reminder, you too can ask Deborah questions like, yes. what kind of ophthalmologist do you see for <laughs> zombie shard in your itis? I Bye. don't know. It's a very, very specialized uh, practice of uh, ophthalmology. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. So please ask your question with QUESTION, in all caps, in chat, but unfortunately I think you will all find I've stolen the first questions <laughs> for myself and I plan to use it only for mischief. So <laughs> we've had, we just had a Halloween, how was yours, by the way? Oh, it was lovely, thank you. Yeah, I did a lot of really cute little Halloween-y things around LA. Um, if you're in the Los Angeles area, I recommend the um, Heritage Preservation, um, I'm gonna forget the full name of it, but in South Pasadena, 
they moved in these beautiful old Victorian buildings and they do a bunch of different events and things like that. Um, but for Halloween, they like dress them up so they look like haunted houses. They have people dressed up like scary, you know, costumes and trick-or-treating and they've got food trucks. It's so much fun. So I really recommend that place if you can figure out what it is by <laughs> the little bit that I remember. Something Preservation Heritage Square, something like that. This is what search engines give us. This is their exactly. true magic. <laughs> so I know we also had some, a little bit of spoopy in some of the ep uh, episodes this past month. Was that something you had planned or were you like, we're in October, let us celebrate the season? Uh, I mean, neither. I, I, <laughs> I am learning. This is the first time I'm running like a... Um, full-scale campaign for a stream weekly kind of thing. So I'm, you know, I'm used to either at home letting it be pretty lackadaisical or doing uh, one shots where you're like moving your team along. So this is an interesting like balance. And so, I mean, frankly, the last number of months, I thought were going to be like six to eight weeks. You know? <laughs> so this all was supposed to happen quite a bit earlier than this. Um, but I haven't minded because I've been busy, so it's good for me to sort of stretch it. That ends up working out nicely as well. Um, but yeah, I think it just kind of kismet. It just kind of landed now that we had some some spooky stuff. Although I think last week was kind of a very like utilitarian, we got to get it done kind of episode, which is, you know, my favorite kinds are the like researchy and slightly educational <laughs> types of episodes. Yeah, we got pretty into the... The engine, the guts of the engine. Literally, yes. Literally the guts of the engine. I think, you know, we spoke last time and I, I'm sure I mentioned my, my love of the Nancy Drew, her interactive computer games. And, you know, part of what I love about those games is they're, you know, they're puzzle games, they're mystery games, they're, you know, put together materials and MacGyver thing games, but they're also, you learn a little something. You know, each game is sort of focused around an idea or a place or a person and, and you learn about that uh, and you, you walk away kind of going like, oh, I feel like a, a low level, you know, expert in this, this field. <laughs> yeah, the nice little like intro course yeah. to it, the first little yeah. focus dive. With some, and I'm, I'm a detail oriented person. I get so excited by details. It's one of the things I talk about why I think I'm a good actor and I'm not that drawn to directing. This big picture kind of doesn't interest me, but I go like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, so I move the Johnson, then the throttle. Then like, I get really excited about the little details. So, so an episode like that, like last week for me is very <laughs> exciting because I get to like nerd out on train details. Did any of the players get supplementary materials in preparation for working with any of that? Or are they all just- no. They're all just figuring it out. They're rolling, you know, rolling well. Um, and, you know, again, as we've spoken, my sort of rule of thumb with things in D&D &D is that there should be multiple ways to get the information. So if you fail one check and you don't get very much, there's another way to figure it out. And, you know, a lot of times um, at the end of the day, there will always be a handout or a piece of paper that you can, a book that you can eventually find uh, that will give you the information, the knowledge that you need. And in that case, of course, they had the book. Yeah. And so, right, exactly. So like Maeve, you know, ended up spending most of that episode just studying so that when we take the train on the tracks in the next couple of episodes, she's ready to go. And 
when I talked to Jen, we talked about how she built Maeve to be a person who was excited about engaging with puzzles and details yes. and research because she really enjoys puzzles and right. details and research. And she and I are a good fit, I feel. Yeah. GM player How has it yeah. been having a player who's that puzzle oriented when that is also very much your thing? I mean, I mean, one, it's fantastic. Um, two, I really like Jen as a puzzler because um, she's good at engaging everyone else, even if she's the one who ultimately knows how to do the puzzle and is going to jump in and do it. She's, you know, she'll explain it, she'll apply it, she'll sort of, um, you know, it doesn't suddenly feel like, all right, everybody wait, I have to do this thing. You know, we can kind of keep going and she can can throw things in and you know, so I think that's a good uh, it's a good lesson on how if you are a good puzzler in a D&D &D game how to sort of keep everyone engaged in the puzzle uh while you solve it yeah I think the step skip puzzle was a great example of that yes exactly recently. perfect I think a really good example of that that's to kind of keep everybody involved um but also trust that like she's this is a strong suit of hers it's also an interest of hers um, but, you know, and I think puzzly stuff doesn't always get its due in D&D. So I'm sure for her, she's like, yes, bring the puzzle. Because <laughs> that's how I feel. And we want that for both of you. Yes. To have the, <laughs> the puzzle catharsis. Yes. Well, I'll have to get, uh, uh, Jen will have to run a game for me someday. So I can <gasps> have the same puzzle, like, excitement <laughs> from the other end. You heard it here first, chat. Oh, yeah. On the airtime. Hop to it, Jen. Here we go. <laughs> we actually got a great social media question from yeah. Fallen Angel about some of the problems. One of our greatest space. viewers ever, man. I mean, yes. she was showing us, like, the book that she's put together. And she always checks to make sure she's got all the, like, you know, things listed out accurately. Wow. She's going to catch me up in something. I know it. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm not that organized. <laughs> But always in the most beautiful and, and gracious <laughs> way. We always have delightful questions uh, every month. This month, no exception. We got a yes. ton, uh, including how some of the problem-solving skills from our players have been fairly ingenious. It's not just Maeve's puzzle brain. We've got mm -hmm. using telekinesis to move the rope across chasms and crossing Absolutely. by tight rope walking. Any favorite wo yeah, you could do that with that spell. Nice, oh, nicely done man. moments. Oh my god. Well, let's see. More recently, I was trying to think of some here. I mean, you know, Neb, I feel again, you know, um, Lauren's a good, a good player for my kind of games because she's bold, right? And I, yeah. I, I told them before we ever started this, I was like, fortune will favor a bold player in my game. I will never... You might take damage, it might be hard, but I will never just outright punish you yeah. for just taking a bold move. I'm always going to reward you in some way um, because I just love that uh, initiative that she takes. So, so many times she steps right out into danger. She's the first one, you know, and she's, you know, the littlest and the <laughs> lowest hit point in AC of the team. Um, but she really dives in. Um, I'm trying to think if there's something sort of recently that I was impressed with. Uh, I mean, even just going through that tender, um, you know, I was sort of, I, you know, I built this tiny little, well, I mean, it's a real thing that I just think is fascinating, this pass through tender. Um, and I wasn't really expecting anyone to go through it. I just like the idea of trapping someone with an ice zombie on the other side of it so that you'd be sort of forced to go into it. I was trying to force a retreat through it. 
but she went through it from, from front. And I was like, way to go. Way to go, Neb. Neb is such a brave little toaster. I'm so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so impressed with Neb. I mean, I also love if we have players applying a bunch of different solutions to problems. Uh-huh, There's also how uh-huh. many problems can you solve with Nebrat? <laughs> Many, apparently. Yes. Apparently. We've solved social problems with Nebrat. We've solved jumping issues with Nebrat. We've done quite a bit. I guess everybody wants to be a rat. I mean, we have decided after this game, rats are the new, like, uh, uh, best buddies (laughs) after this uh, campaign. Because, you know, in most of our monster manuals, they're, you know, they're there to kind of bite you or you know make trouble and initially the idea was i suppose if i didn't have an animal speaking character in the game or or transforming one they were just supposed to be something that kind of creeped you out but weren't actually there to hurt you in any way you just had to get past them and convince them to let you look at the symbols behind christine um you know and, and but i think in a way having someone that could interpret what was really going on there led so much like just like sweetness and you created rat culture yeah why was i was like i want them i want the creepiness of like a sea of rats and this very large rat giving birth to little rats you know and i was like that's a fun like scary image right um but when Nem started asking them about it. I was like, okay, I guess it's a party that's celebrating rats. <laughs> it's like ended up going, I was it ended up kind of building itself in a lot of ways. Um, which again is such a great DD lesson, but like you build something from one point of inspiration and then just let it be whatever it is in that moment because it's always better. Rat party theme rats is probably yeah. up there with purblums on my favorite <laughs> children of Airte memes. Oh, purblums is just that will stick it's with me pretty... forever. I want like a album cover with purblums. I want a shirt <laughs> with purblums. <laughs> okay, there's not that much room on that glass shard. Okay, so no vowels. Purblums. In this economy, who could buy a vowel? Not me. And certainly not our party. They are, I mean, they, they might have some gold now, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They might have some gold. Through cyanide and happiness, it appears. Mm. Um, we also have some questions coming in uh, from chat. Actually, uh, one of them from Marcus Reitner is about the trains. So I'm going to ask okay. because it's the train okay. detail. Is the I, train great. a 244 or a 444 or some other style I'm assuming that is not musical notation because who's shown me, but my So yeah, so someone's shown me up. I, I'm not entirely sure what they mean by that. Um, I, you know, my um, this was entirely researched uh, train information to get myself <laughs> up to speed. Um, and, you know, it's definitely, I think as I've said in a number of my tweets, like, don't at me, this is game, <laughs> game yeah. train stuff. Um, so yeah, if they want to clarify what they know, I'd love to hear what their thoughts um you know what that means and maybe i'll know the answer if it's clear the train rabbit hole goes astonishingly deep it really does i found there's a whole community of people who you know obviously can't afford like large trains and they wouldn't be able to run them anywhere but they make like 
like like mall train sized trains but they're like ones you can sit on um yeah and and they look really real and professional they've got all the little gadgets anyway so that's a lot of what i've been looking at because they do really good clear tutorials on how to like prep the train start the train drive the train all of that and they are for all intents and purposes essentially the same mechanics as the bigger ones they're just not as heavy and dirty and you know require as much power but yeah i watched this guy with an honest to god little steam engine you know that he just sat with his you know straddled and rode around this track and i was like wow this is an incredible little you know pocket of youtube that i'm <laughs> i'm learning i want your youtube algorithm <laughs> you're doing something right and i need to get onto it well you search steam engines you'll get there there you go yeah no yeah. i was about how, to, how to start us how to start a steam engine so do you generally have that kind of like depth first search on as you're approaching all of this detail-oriented research for stuff that isn't necessarily your personal area of expertise, but that yes. you're going to bring in detail into your game? Yeah, well, because I, like I said, I like to learn. I'm a big nerd for learning. I like, I, you know, and I sort of assume that a lot of people who play D&D are probably not that different from me in that arena and would maybe also like to learn. Um, so I want to include those things in the games when I have the opportunities to do it. And again, I, I want them to be, let me say this, um, like engaging and authentic without necessarily having to be like strict realism. You know, like I'm sure I'm getting tons of things wrong, but the basic science of it, the basic how to, you know, don't do it at home. <laughs> but for game purposes, I, I like the idea that that you could leave a Children of Verite episode being like, oh, like I generally maybe knew how steam engines worked, but I, you know, now I understand a lot more about how these are all connected. And, um, you know, it's, you know, a fun little story for a dinner party kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so I'm seeing, so uh, the question answer says that the, it's the white notation and it has to do with the small wheel to big wheel ratio. So I don't know the answer to that question. Um, you know, it is it is a, a vintage old engine. A lot of the pictures and the diagrams and things that I took um, reference from and, and uh, inspiration from are like early 20th century locomotives. Um, so I don't know if that would uh, do things. I, I watched the, um, oh, what's the call? Famous, uh, the Scotsman, the Flying Scotsman. I watched a lot of videos and a lot of stuff about the Flying Scotsman. So I'm not sure. Uh, what the small wheel to big wheel ratio is on the Flying Scotsman, but that's probably along the lines of what this kind is. I have to imagine you also have more detail where you expect player focus. Yes. Yes, and and essentially too because I'm gamifying. So you know, especially with the last episode, I went okay. I need them to do something, right? Like part of what I'm doing here, because you could absolutely run this adventure and say you know, roll a history check or an intelligence check. Great, you know how to run the steam engine. It takes four hours, now you're on your way, right? You could 100% fast yeah. track it. I enjoy the idea of kind of giving everyone a task so that everyone feels necessary to, you know, so that once the train starts going, everyone's like, oh, it couldn't have happened without me contributing. So I sort of took the general jobs that have to be done 
um, and tried to split them into four. So, you know, we saw it was the, the stoker, the oilers, the greasers, the driver, and then the maintenance. And so, you know, I think what it good is it gave people some agency. They could choose which, you know, character they thought best suited those jobs. Um, we could have some drama. We could wound some people, which is always my favorite thing to do. <laughs> Really, when you when you've got magical healing, at least let me wound you in you know dramatic and gory ways. You succeeded. The Perusa <laughs> was. Oh, I do, I do love it. It is really fun. I mean, again, like that's why I kind of say like that's a win. I think <laughs> again, rather than just saying you take this much bludgeoning damage, like there's fun for Alicia and for Perusa and for the audience in the like the pain and the grossness and the blood and the you know like leaning into that storytelling of it makes what is a failed role i think a win in the story because it, it becomes this exciting thing that happened and we'll always remember um rather than a darn it i you know ah, i lost that much hit points kind of thing it also started to peel away at the corners yes! of what feels like a bit of co-conspiracy. Uh, well, I I want to be really clear. Please. That is all Alicia. Okay? So I, I we had, you know, we had the moment she failed that saving throw. Yeah. I sent her an email that was just like general inspiration. Here's the only like little mechanical thing play this how as you desire to. Um, and, you know, I didn't want to give too much away to her either because she's not entirely aware of what's going on. Alicia ran with that, brought in those quotes, brought in the like trancing in and out. I was like, run, run my child, you know, <laughs> like, please keep going. And I told her as soon as we got off, I was like, that is perfection. I could not have written it or asked for it any better. Um, and, and what'll be great is that now that's given me so many great ideas and so much inspiration about what to sort of, how to surprise her uh, with what all of that is and what that means. Um, so again, this is such a, a beautiful collaborative art form, this game. And I, if I had been too didactic about what that you know little piece of shard on her eye was gonna mean, we wouldn't have gotten that. And it's just a gem of storytelling. It that is and <laughs> that makes it even more fascinating than i okay but are, credit are there other emails going out to players how far did the conspiracies go okay so um not super far i want them to like i get i get excited about delighting them yeah. you know like i i selfishly want to surprise them so I can see their face go, oh, you know, like that's part of the fun for me. So rather than, rather than like craft something that you all will like at home, I'm very selfish and I'm, I'm hoarding all of the delight for myself um, so that I, I can, you know, truly enjoy seeing them like be surprised by some things. So there's not a lot. Um, the only thing that I think, you know, people at home are starting to catch on and have some guesses. So um, the characters have chosen ancestries and classes, but because we started as humans who are not necessarily, you know, raised in this world of magic and things like that, we had talked about a backstory that sort of said, you know, maybe things just happen around you. Maybe you're the kind of person that just like can always find things, 
or you know you're the kind of person that just kind of always knows what someone needs to hear in a down moment you know like there are people in our actual lives that have that kind of magic right so the idea being that maybe that's just unrealized potential for something that is more akin to the traditional D&D stuff that we see so they have built characters that have ancestries and classes um we're just being kind of sly about it and letting them actually step-by-step step discover what those are now that they have greater access to it in this nether space, wherever they are. Um, so they do know ultimately where they're growing to. It is entirely up to them at what pace that comes about other than leveling. You know, when the different aspects of their ancestry begin to show up or get involved, that's, I've kind of left that free to them, but I, I did tell them that when they found that first shard, there would be an opportunity for them to see some vague representation of their sort of true inner power. I said, that can be anything, interpret that however you want. Some people can be more literal or more concrete. Other people can be more vague and metaphorical. That's okay with me. But think about like misty images and, and just giving a little bit of a hint to our viewers at home and to the rest of the party and to me, frankly, of sort of what your destiny is going to be. I have no greater admiration than she for whom super huge backpack is endgame. <laughs> yes. I mean, you gotta love Robin for that. I mean, I'm a great, you know, or a, a hope. Um, I mean, hope is so spectacular. I mean, this character, um, I, we had talked about early on because there is this thing about like, if you play older characters in, D, D, you're kind of like, well, why are you level one? You know, if you've had your whole life to have experience points, you know, yeah. why is this thing? So in a way, I was like, what an excellent opportunity this weird concept will give because it will allow her to have all of that experience from her life, but still be at the beginning stages of this new adventure and discovering this new side of herself. Um, and it is. I mean, I'm I'm just such a sucker for those stories of people who never stop learning, never stop growing, and you know, hope who just plays it to such a perfect pitch. Um, mm -hmm. And especially with Harold and that backstory that she brings into it, I I just want to exploit it at every turn. <laughs> <laughs> it was so wholesome. So wholesome. I know. I just I want to exploit Hope's brain and her her beauty every single second if I can. Fantastic. And, and look, I, do, I don't mind if you're squirreling away all of the secrets and details. It means that everything I need to heist is centralized. <laughs> okay, I will make sure that all of my spoilers and all of my material is kept in one place. Uh, and sometime <laughs> in the middle of the night, I'll hear a creak and I'll go, must be sad. <laughs> Good. Always, always please be paranoid of, of me. I shall. Yes, this is great. Um, we're going to kick a question in from Demi playing RPG themselves. Hey! Have you taken any inspiration uh, from past characters that you've played for NPCs so far in this campaign? If so, which ones? Please say Nicholas. Okay. Please say Nicholas. <laughs> Nicholas. Um, that was, that was, um, so we were gonna have to start talking and I was like, oh my goodness, wait, what is a rat? I don't have an idea for a rat voice at the moment. Um, and I had been, I had been watching, rewatching New Girl 
and there's an episode when Megan Fox is in the basement and she she says, hello, Nicholas, is, you know, <laughs> speaking to Nick um, in a little voice. And I was like, I, that's what's in my head right now. So this will be Nicholas the rat and he will have a list. And, so uh, and the, the, the voice of the rat was born. So I, that's entirely stolen um, and, and then grown from. Um, in terms of NPCs, I mean, Augie a little bit, not necessarily from um, character a character I've played, but from an NPC in another uh, campaign that I run. Um, I have a whole town of sort of Midwestern, really like really nice folks that are just really excited to have you here and, you know, real ambitious and, and got a lot going on, but uh, always, always got time for a, a high a hey there. And, uh, you know, anyways, I, there's something about that Midwestern uh, cheerfulness that I just find kind of funny. And it, and it feels like an accent you don't hear a lot in yeah. the more sort of gothic fantasy type D&D. And I was like, oh, well, in this more modern setting, I think I could, I could get away with it. So. I think maybe I feel like I've gotten good doses of it uh, from Xander Genre. Oh, sure. He brings I mean, a lot yeah. of Midwestern yeah. characters sometimes. He has, so it's perfect. in his blood, you know. He's yeah. ready to go. He yeah. it so perfectly. <laughs> Any tips for being surprised by I have an NPC now and I have to invent rat culture kind of off the cuff. This needs to be a person with a voice and a, and yes. a rat culture. Or maybe not rat culture. I don't know how generalizable oh. it is. I hope it is. I hope you're <laughs> all playing rat playing games. <laughs> all creating rat uh, communities. Um, well, I mean, one is first instinct, right? So like, I think in the moment, not trying to be too clever, but just kind of go like, Blah, here it is you know and and again you you are brilliant you don't know it but you're brilliant and whatever just comes out is going to be extraordinary and you just need to lean in it into it and believe in yourself um but in terms of like quick or even if you've had a little bit of time of preparation um i had a voiceover acting class and one of our exercises was to do uh hanna barbera cartoons so we would you know come up with voices and practice and do Hanna-Barbera scripts and Hanna-Barbera's like strategy for uh coming up with voices and characters is to just do read the you know read the sides or have a general sense of what this is and come up with three adjectives so like um middle-aged aunt uh uh kisser you know, and suddenly you go, okay, a uh, uh, middle-aged aunt who's a, who's who kisses. Mm, hello there, my lovely darlings. You know, like you just <laughs> a, th a three adjective thing will really kind of like it just kicks you in real clear. Um, you know, grumpy, uh, grumpy teenager, uh, grumpy teenager with acne. You know, and like you just immediately get a picture in your head. And you go, okay, fine, whatever I want. You know, like whatever it is. <laughs> you just kind of let your instinct first go and, and let it be archetypal, you know, rather than stereotypical, you know, stereotypical, go with archetypal. Um, and yeah, I think usually, usually you can do no wrong. And even if it's bad or silly, you will laugh and everyone will remember that NPC forever and <laughs> never ever want them to die or retire. And you will be doing that voice that you are so embarrassed of for the rest of your life. Hey, doing a voice you're embarrassed of is the best way to develop into a great voice. It's also the win, right? Like anything that your players want you to continue doing is a win. Yeah. It, getting getting engagement yeah. and exploiting it 
I guess. Yes. Oh yeah. Exploit that engagement. Absolutely. (laughs) Are there any characters down the rail line uh, that you're looking forward to our party meeting? We're like, I'm not like the train isn't started, but like we're out (laughs) of the mine. We're out of the mine. We are in the day. So we might see the next part of like, you've sort of outlined this whole structure of what uh, we have. We have like almost half a face. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Actually, I'm a, I'm a believer in giving your players that structure. It gives you something to look forward to and it gives them something to muse about, which means they will half write it for you. So as they're thinking about what's it going to be and what about this and what are that, they're going to give you ideas that you either know, okay, great. I'm going to use that because it's brilliant. And that person will feel really smart or Oh, they think that's what that's going to be. What if I did the opposite? And now they're really going to be surprised, you know, like, so, you know, and and it's, there's a, I've already figured out generally what all of these things are, but those details, you know, can really be inspired by your players so that this game is tailored to their interests and their strengths and their imaginations. Um, So in terms of upcoming NPCs, I, you know, without spoiling anything, Yes, there are NPCs I'm looking forward to. (laughs) (laughs) That's about all I'm going to say. I'll get more for you after the heist, Pat. (laughs) I promise. Uh, What about learning experiences? Have you done some pre-research that you're psyched for? Is everything, like, are we just going to go from, like, cyanide and, like, bullpen? (laughs) Do we get an education at every stop as well? A, a, a little bit, you know, some are going to be a little lighter on that than others, I think. Um, but a, a little bit, right? Like, some of that is just fun for me. Um, and, and it's inspiring, right? So it's always, it's always easier to kind of, for me, at least, to take something that exists or has a foundation and then springboard off of that and create something, you know, um, out of that. So if you're, if I'm doing a haunted house, I'll look up Victorian mansion floor plans, right? And that's just gets you the, the start. And you can start to go, okay, ooh, there's a conservatory, cool, animated plants, you know, like it starts to kind of give you your ideas that way. Um, so, you know, same thing when I was like, oh, a mine, great. Well, let me do some research. And now I get, you know, my two different shafts and the elevator and the, you know, the way it's actually structured and the, the stoke of gold and the way that things move. And, you know, all of that starts to get, um, filled in and informed by reality. And then I get to take it that like three or four steps further into fantasy or adventure. Um, so yes, every stop along the way will likely have some of that kind of research behind it. Um, you know, as, as, uh, Silas said, there was meant to be whale watching coming up. So there, there may be, <laughs> there may be some information about whales and, <laughs> Whale and, actually and, brought to you by whale actually. Um, so yeah, uh, it's uh, it's there's definitely some some cool educational <laughs> stuff that I'm looking forward to, whether you are or not. I'm, as I said, I'm a very selfish DM. This is this is all about me and what I want to research. I, but you also have a really cool seat in the house because you mm-hmm. drive a lot. But as you've been alluding to throughout uh, this episode, not all of the story there are all the campfire scenes there are significant bathing experiences bathing experiences well even like you know we had that one week where um alicia couldn't make it and it was kind Mm. of last minute 
And it was like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, let's, you know, let's do this descent, which again, you could go snap your fingers, roll a die. You're down at the bottom. This is how it went. You take this much damage. But I went, let's actually like, let's have the darkness and the isolation of this be a moment for each of you to share something about who you are, um, you know, your character. Um, and I, you know, for me, it just allows me to, again, get a greater sense of who they're playing and what's inspiring for them, uh, how I can delight them down the line. Um, and, and I liked, I said, you know, tell your story, but I may jump in there with details and let's like co-create and co-collaborate. And I won't do anything that will subvert what you're trying to say, but hopefully uh, tie it in a little bit to the story that I know is kind of, you know, bubbling underneath all of this. And, and so that, that was really fun. It almost felt like I was the player um, in that, you know, in that section there. All right. Well, then are there storylines or relationships that you're not a part of that you're watching play out? Oh, yeah. Uh, that you're enjoying any any questions that only they can answer? Oh, yeah. Hugely things like that. Um, you know, I mean, their their backstory and what makes them special and who these people are in their lives is entirely up to them. Um, what do you not you know, know that you want to know? And does it involve katanas? Because I have a lot of questions about katanas. <laughs> about katanas. Um, you know, they've shared with me their kind of initial outlines and thoughts and, and the, the, the stories that they had written. I think I'm specifically maybe interested about Maeve and Will and mm -hmm. what this relationship was, what her hopes are for them, you know, because Maeve as a character is so guarded that, you know, throughout the story, everyone else has been pretty open, even if it's just a piece here and there about what these relationships are and, and what they mean to them. But Maeve, appropriately to her characters, a kind of closed book. Um, so I, I was very excited for that crawl down the, <laughs> down yeah. the chasm, crawl down the crevasse um, with Maeve to get a little more insight into, you know, what Jen's thinking is uh, with that relationship. Um, because it will, you know, it will play into potentially how she reacts to certain uh, events down the line. Hi, Steven. Uh, no, I, I think we got that scene alone was like 60% of all known Maeve facts. <laughs> I know, I know. such a good picture of her and, and a bunch of details that we, that... On the one hand, we didn't know before, but on the other hand, mm -hmm. felt so consistent that I was like, mm -hmm. wait, mm -hmm. let me go check my notes. Am I sure I didn't know this already? They just right. flow very well, naturally. I think we stumbled upon potentially a good uh, GM tip, which is like, <laughs> come up with a, a moment of silence and alone time for your characters where they have to tell a story from their past that relates to this moment. Uh, you'll learn so much. Um, and they won't have to feel like they're giving anything up to the other characters. Now, the other players will hear, but if you have a good group of people, that shouldn't really matter. Um, I love so it allows them dramatic irony. Yeah, you know, and so I think, yeah, you know, being able to, to give Maeve, well, to give Jen the opportunity to appropriately play Maeve the way that she wants to, which is as a pretty guarded person. But still, here's an opportunity now for you to share some of this great backstory work you've done with 
the table with me and with everyone at home. Um, it was, yeah, it ended up being kind of a, a cool thing. So maybe it's a good one to bring forward into other things. Yeah, because for Jen, of course, she's going to want to get that backstory yeah. out there. But we have to give her opportunities that serve Maeve, you know? Right. Because, yeah. I mean, these characters are getting along better now. They're probably not going to ask a guarded person prying <laughs> questions that give yeah. Jen the opportunity to freak it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, she and Silas are, like, slowly getting along better now in a very yep, yep. Prank, pranky sort of way. Yeah. I think they're they are oddly more alike than even they realize, I think, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that, uh, you know, there's that kind of um, comedic, slightly sly thing underneath. I mean, I'm, Silas is more of an innocent than, than Maeve is, I think, in that way. A little more naive, maybe. A little more naive is what I'll say. Um, uh, but I do, I think I think they have a similar sort of sense of humor uh, that's starting to come to the front, which is great. And, and sense of danger, right? Like they're, you know, Silas's whole past is he, you know, Silas needed very little help to just be like, here I am. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but 19 episodes in, let's go. Oh, 19 episodes in for sure. But it was interesting that he, you know, he really, Adam and Silas made the decision to share all of that information in that moment. And it was, it was a choice, not a like, oh, I think it's the right time. He, it really seemed like he was like, we're, it's time, we're ready. Um, and I think, you know, it reveals this, uh, sort of uh you know living on you know uh, reckless uh dangerous kind of risky life that he was living um you know that is in many ways more on par with sort of how Maeve is approaching this world uh so yeah I'm, I'm curious to see how that relationship develops over the, the course of the show Can't be. I mean, and it makes a certain sort of he is not the most guarded Nope. individual and by the way chat if you haven't seen adam's little supplementary yeah. video i strongly recommend it uh it adds some very worthwhile details and you know it's more adam bradford i need yeah. no further pitch <laughs> i mean that's so lovely too i mean when players are inspired enough by their characters and by the story to bring to you supplemental material you know, I've been running games where players, you know, write whole stories based off of a moment. And you're just like, wow, it's like fanfic for the, yeah. for the campaign. Um, and, that, you know, there's nothing really more um, sort of touching than that someone, you know, the hours that you spent playing were not enough. They needed more of their downtime to be devoted to this this place. More engagement. Yeah. There's there's our little through line. My goodness. Are there other duos that you're enjoying as they develop? Like, um, we've got a really good small and tall with Furs and Neb. <laughs> I mean, that is really pretty great. Um, I kind of, I mean, I kind of like Feruza and everyone. Feruza's such a good, um, like, oh, what's there's a good, like, um, pivot point between everyone in a way, yeah. I feel. Um, you know, she has a really strong central personality. Her core, the way Alicia plays her, is really strong. We know exactly who Furuza is. Oh, but she nice. can relate to each of them yeah. 
in in the in a way that is unique to that other character um that i i really am, am enjoying so i anytime feruza gets paired off with someone like the feruza robin adventure of finding statue steve um wonderful you know like that it starts to bring out new things in each of the the characters um when you know when when that happens and then we had feruza and neb we've had feruza and silas like we've had these these sort of pair-offs that are really uh really interesting and i think too you know i told them at the again at the start i was like hey, the whole like, don't split the party thing. Don't worry about it. Split the party, right? Like, like do it. Do it all not the time. Only, right, because like, not only is that realistic and like you would be like, okay, you two work on that while we're working on this. But it allows sometimes our more quiet players or our more introspective players an opportunity to sort of take the reins and shine with again, without having to betray who their character is. Hmm. Um, or just an introspective you know, character, someone who might not say mm -hmm. something in front of a crowd. Absolutely. So that, you know, someone who is more introspective, you know, in the group with a, a sort of more boisterous character like Silas, Silas is too, true to his character, always going to kind of take the lead, right? Hmm. Um, and that means that the others, you know, aren't necessarily in that position. But when you split the party and we can do this, you know, cinematic cut to cut to, you know, dual storyline it allows the more introspective players to remain or characters to remain true to their character but also take that leading position um so i i i have never seen splitting the party be a bad thing i have only ever seen it be so much fun it is i agree completely <laughs> on the air today heartily endorses splitting the party <laughs> split the party You've earned and yourself an A plot, B plot, chat, treat it's yourself. Not, it's not because we're GMs and we just want to, you know, divide and conquer. <laughs> we're, you know, it's genuinely for story, right? Huh? Right? Yeah. Totally for story yeah. and yeah. not for ice zombies. I'm sorry. No. No. My sound is doing a weird thing. <laughs> but we have seen... Like there are flavors of leadership that each of these mm -hmm. characters have. Neb yes. runs it, like Neb will move in first with great yes. initiative. Farouz is this incredibly beautifully strong flavor. Mm -hmm. Maeve will take point in situations of piecing things together. Silas, as we've discussed, and honestly, everyone does and should defer to Robin. Yes, she is the font of information, the font of knowledge. Um, she is the college <laughs> of, of information. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're they're starting to find their roles within the party. Yeah. But again, the fun thing about something like splitting the party is sometimes you have to take on some of the roles that you're not so good at, um, which is another thing I love in stories. And, and I really love when characters lean into what makes sense, what they would do in that moment, again rather than just strictly playing strategery you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um uh you know kind of letting it be like hey there's no one else here i guess i have to fight steve you know <laughs> uh even though that is not my general role here um so yeah i've 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 appreciated that this this group while they know what their strengths are and i'm trying to give them opportunities to you know kind of strategize to that effect uh when push comes to shove they they just sort of do what is right for them yeah 
it makes a lot of sense. And hey, isn't there always that one episode in a series where a character has to be stranded completely away from what they're competent at and they have to make it back through the power of the thing they're not good at and like have yeah. something? Well, and I also think, you know, like we don't we don't know each other. We don't know ourselves that well, you know? Like <laughs> Sometimes, you know, sometimes we think we're really good at things that we're not. Um, and sometimes we think we're terrible at things we're really great at. And, and you know, I, sometimes I, I, sometimes there's such depth in character to have that. You know, one I, sort of an acting thing I've always found kind of interesting is that, you know, people who, the thing that you're sort of striving for, the thing that you want most in the world is often the direct opposite of the thing that you're sort of deeply afraid of. So, um, you know, sometimes people who have so many friends and seem like such an outgoing person and get along with everyone are deeply afraid of, of being alone or that they'll be unliked. Um, and it's that fear that drives you to, to be that person that everyone can talk to, that someone who strives for money and, and to make sure that they have that financial security and work themselves to the bone to have that might be deeply afraid of having nothing and losing it all and, and living without and, and that fear. And, you know, these are, this is just an interesting thing that sometimes in characters, sometimes we forget to play that, that tension. Um, and so, I don't know, I've always liked the idea that, you know, like, I don't, I don't know that this is true, but, if, you know, Feruza's this brainy lawyer who's also was raised by lumberjacks and is trying to do good in the world. I don't know. And there's something about like, if you were raised by lumberjacks, did somebody maybe tell you, oh, you're just a dumb, you know, rural kid with a max, right? And so instead you were like, screw you, I'm going to Harvard, yeah. you know? So like, I love that tension in her character that she has this natural gift of strength and power and, and self-righteous rage and justice that she's channeled into this brainy pursuit um, that feels contradictory, but is actually supportive. People can in fact contain multitudes. You what? heard it here, breaking news on the air today. <laughs> I mean, and we've sort of heard her allude to it with her strength as well, that like, I yeah. think she mentioned once like really sucking in gym class kind of yeah. feeling and how she is, in terms of her body and what strength has and hasn't been. And like yeah. growing physical strength has been clearly an experience <laughs> for her, which is such a cool, I want that for her. Yeah. Me too. I want all seven feet of her. I want good things for all of my, all of my players and all of my characters. Um, you know, as torturing them is, is merely the vehicle. <laughs> by which I get to see them flourish, you know. <laughs> so. It's for their own good. Well, thank us someday. Don't yes. worry. Okay, well, we've been talking so much about how much we love them. Thule Squeaky asks, how worried are you about a character death? We're out of the super ultra squishy phase. Right. They're not they're right. not level ones anymore, right. but these things these things do happen. Well, and of course, you know, the mine, which I thought was like, oh, I don't know, had like <laughs> rats. And I mean, it did have some scary, creepy crawler guys. Uh, but you know, I, I, you know, I, I am balancing these encounters, um, you know, as they are growing their powers, they may also, you know, they they did go on that side quest 
with something very out of their league, um, <laughs> which will, of course, return at some point. Um, uh, so, you know, they, it is certainly possible with this group of, of characters. There is it is possible. Now, um, we've talked a little bit about what that means on a stream. Yeah. Um, and especially with things like idol champions and stuff like that, you know, you, you want to make sure that if there's going to be a character death, that kind of everyone's, everyone's on board for it and everyone's excited by it um, rather than like, uh, now what, you know, kind of thing. Um, so I, the players and I have gone through and talked about a lot of different kind of options and things like that, that, you know, maybe we talk about some like critical injury stuff. That if if you really can't in your heart part with this person in this moment, maybe we talk about some something else that we do, right? Could you could we take a big slash to one of your abilities, you know, based on the trauma or, or you know either physical or emotional or mental that happened to this? So there are options, um, and I I want to make sure that this has plenty of consequence, but also. Um, a lot of you know this is still as far as i'm concerned i'm running this game for this group of five players and i want them ultimately to feel like they have the greatest adventure um in this world that they could have and that involves giving them some agency and collaboration this is a collaborative story um so i'm gonna i'm gonna try and uh <laughs> take them down as best i can um but in ways that are meaningful and that help tell the story that they want to tell. Right. I mean, I like to think that there can be plenty of challenge and obstacle mm -hmm. and consequence in all our lives without, you know, danger of death. I managed to experience challenge and character growth as a person all the time without you death go. being without on the line. <laughs> without almost dying. There you go. Um, you know, I, I, I think... I, I, I am happy for there to be, you know, there will be threat of death. Those moments will absolutely, in fact, with Neb, we've gotten close a couple times already. Yeah. Um, you know, she's, she's been squishy in these early, these early episodes. Squishy um, and reckless. It's a tough combination. Squishy and reckless. It's a great combination. It's a great combination. Um, but that's why I kind of, I kind of like the idea of putting it a little bit in your characters, uh, in, in your players' hands. Because then I don't have to pull back. I don't have to go like, I don't want to hit you with that. Or I don't want to, you know, I don't have to do that. I can go, I can come at you strong with all of these things and make the danger really real. But if I say at the end of the day, if you roll that final death saving throw and you're not ready, then let's talk about a different kind of consequence. Right. And I'm open to that conversation. Now we'll see. It may never come to pass. It may come to pass and they go, Oh, I died. <laughs> Here we go. New character, you know, which is totally fine. But I, I offer that to all of my players, not just in this game, but in anything that I ever run. Um, if you are not ready for it, this is a game that you are an equal participant in, and we will have the conversation about it. Um, but yes, there will be consequences. Ah, <laughs> uh, that is the game balance. Let's talk about it. There will be consequences. That's, that's there will be consequences, works, right? but we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And being kind to the people you're at the table with is maybe in an evening full of like 
some really good GM and player advice. <laughs> Possibly right up there on the top. Yeah. Yeah. Be my kind. job is not to, yeah, my job is not to like make you miserable and take away something from you that you make love. Um, <laughs> miserable. That's why I said like, like getting your arm crushed should be awesome. Should be right. Awesome. It shouldn't be a punishment. It should be amazing. <laughs> oh my God. It crushed my arm. Did you hear it broke the bone and it was sticking out at a weird angle. You know, like it should be, it should be like you're seven years old and like playing in the yard and being look how at least you made a meat out of it. Yeah, she turned that into the hugest win for Feruza and for this story. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, again, I, I, I consequences are great, right? They're the the flavor and and tension of this story. Um, but a consequence doesn't absolutely have to be death. If you are, you know, again, if, if that's going to make this this game and the story worse for you, why do it? I'm not here to make make you unhappy. I'm here to make you have joy, you know? Well, you've certainly made me have joy for this past hour. It's been delightful talking to you. I hope, chat, you have delighted equally and look forward to the terrifying consequences and exploitations that Deborah promises to bring right after we get this train started but (laughs) that's going to do it for us so please don't forget to tune in uh to uh children of Erte for further training uh same time uh next week thank you again so much Deborah please don't throw too many consequences at your players And only only the, the good one, the appropriate fun consequences. As long as they're a little bit, a little bit gross, I'm always happy. A little gory, a little gross. It's my favorite. And with that, <laughs> happy we're Halloween. going off the air. Today. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Children of Erte. To learn more about Demiplane, visit demiplane.com and embark on your own adventure today.